Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Boots on the Ground number eight. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. Man, 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. All right, Axon Tire, I'd like to give the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a free, well, actually two, two Axon Tire resource mouse pads. Uh, that you can look at your tire sizes and kind of decide what you're going to do there. So if you'd like one of those things, uh, actually two of those things, go to axontiretips.com, and they will make sure to send one to you in the mail. Tell them the Moving Iron Podcast sent you. And Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you find AgDrip. It's funny. AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at AgDirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at AgDirect.com. And this segment is brought to you by TractorZoom. With access to over $20 billion worth of heavy machinery sale data, TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent heavy equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. Right on. Well, this boots on the ground, so that means that on the other side of this uh, phone that we have tapped into the uh, board here, we have someone that is well-versed in the ongoings of what's happening in the uh, equipment marketplace. Absolutely. Literally, he is on the ground right now. On the ground. <laughs> so, Aaron, who we got Who we got as our guest here on Boots on the Ground? Tonight, we have Lee File with AgriCenter in Hutchison, Kansas. How are you, Lee? Doing well, sir. How you gentlemen doing? Good, good. What's the latest and the greatest? And well, actually, yeah. What's the latest and the greatest going on in your world down there? The latest and greatest is uh, we are demoing some combines, and things are going very well. And uh, really cannot complain a whole heck of a lot. Got a little shower there the night before. Put us out of the field, so got a little breather. Got was able to catch up on some things, and uh, we're back at it today here in the central part of Kansas. Right on. Why don't you uh, give us a little background about on you, your time in the industry, and about Agri Center? So 
about me. So I grew up in Beloit, Kansas. Uh, came out of high school, went to Nebraska, redshirt in Nebraska on the football team. Ended up going to K State, played football at K State for four years. Right on. Uh, first first job was in uh, uh, agriculture as a salesman. I worked for uh, farm equipment dealership out of Wamigo, Can Equip. Uh, they gave me a, a great opportunity there and started there with them for a while and then uh, uh, ended up moving on to a, a territory manager with Crustbuster Speed King out of Dodge City for about eight, nine years. And uh, this opportunity came available with uh, AgriCenter. I just called the current ownership and told them I'm interested in owning a farm equipment dealership and the took about three years and we finally got together on it. Right on. Right on. So Congratulations. we've been doing this since seventeen now. So oh, awesome. Okay. Right on. All right. So if you're out demoing combines right now, that means that you're probably out there uh you're in you're in the in the middle of wheat. So what's what's the wheat situation look like right now, Lee? So the farther west we go, get closer to that Dodge City uh area. Uh, the wheat does get poor out in that direction. Uh, there are spots that are are, are decent, but uh, a lot of 15s, uh, 20s. Oh, wow. uh, farther yeah. east you come back, uh, man, it gets substantially better. Every, everybody, farther east you come, west of Hutchison area, everybody is tickled with their, pleased with their yields, much better than they anticipated so that's good uh, we've cut uh, several fields uh, over here around the McPherson County area that are well in excess of 60 bushel um, and then get closer 77 highway 80 bushel dryland wheat wow so it's uh, wow. it's out there it's out there if the guy's got it if it's got fungicided mm-hmm. it's really standing the test right now is that is that low yield stuff pretty high in protein though as is typical with droughty wheat yes it is high in protein right now the only problem that uh, everybody's saying right now is getting paid for the high protein right so that, that that's everybody's uh yeah. they they just dock for it they don't pay you for it <laughs> exactly exactly Yep. They're only going to pay for something if they need it. And if there's plenty of it, there's no reason to pay you for right. it. Right. Oh, sorry you got 60 bushel wheat. Protein sucks. It's worth half. Like, what? <laughs> exactly. Yep. So, Lee, talk, talk a little bit about the lines you carry uh, there at AgriCenter. So, we, we're a full-line cloth dealer. So, combines, forage, harvester, tractors, hay tools, along with a uh, full line with New Holland. Uh, MacDon and JBS, along with Can-Am, Can-Am okay. Power Sports. Can-Am Power right on. Okay, and you have a you have the store there in Hutch. Do you have a, do you have another location too, or just the one in Hutch? No, we just have the one location in Hutches. Okay, all right. For some reason, I thought you had one up in Salina. But, but you guys cover several several counties out of that one store, right, Lee? Yeah, we actually go from north central north central Oklahoma to north central Kansas, um, pretty much right at uh, Junction City South, and then very consistently to 
that Dodge City area mm -hmm. west. So okay, right yeah. on, right on. Okay, man, that's right. a swath. That is that is a swath. Yeah. So I guess right now, Lee, as you're looking out, what's going on around you? Um, I'm sure there's you're having the same issues everybody else is having. Availability, parts, you know, all the stuff that comes along with all that stuff. Delays. <laughs> Lots of delays. Delays. <laughs> Aaron and I were talking about this the other day, you know, looking at some of the stuff where some of these machines, you know, you, you know, combines for use that was a good example. Um, should have gotten a machine before weed harvest and then through the various dis delays and stuff that came through, you're maybe lucky to get it at the tail end of, of fall harvest. So I guess as you're looking at your used inventory now, what you have coming in, how are you how are you reacting to that and what are you doing to stay in front of that with your customers? So the biggest thing we've been doing is the pre-selling our trade-ins. Right. Right. Uh, we've been very fortunate. Uh, there is a we do have a very high demand with that uh, used class combine right now and we have been able to stay ahead of it. We don't have anything to sell anybody right now on the use side, uh, which is you know, a detriment, but yet still not all bad at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a really cool problem. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool problem. And, but, yeah, no, we've been, we've been extremely fortunate. Uh, our forage harvesters, our used forage harvesters are uh, finally starting to trickle out and trickle down through the process. So that's always been one of our hang-ups is our used forage market just because oh, yeah. of the lack of the second, third, fourth buyer, you know. Regardless of color, that is, that's, the, that's the biggest problem in that yep. entire industry. Yep, it is. It really is. Yeah. I, I tell everybody, I said, you can produce the exact same machine, clone the guy that runs it, he farts in the seat at the same time, and what you got out of this cutter today isn't what you're going to get out of the second one within 12 hours. Right, right. It's just a it's just a very tough market to the data is the data is just not there. Even if you say I I sold it for this 12 hours ago doesn't mean you're going to get it for this the next day. Too, right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Chopper market's one of those deals like you just talked about. It's it's very fickle. You know, it it ebbs and flows with with more um a lot less latitude than anything else does right i mean it's there's huge mm -hmm. gaps in 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 washout cycles there's prolonged selling cycles um of the used equipment as you're looking at getting that stuff pushed through what are some of the things that you've done that, that you would say are, are pretty cr creative when you're working with your customers on you know what you're doing when you're doing that that roll cycle and those kind of things Probably one, probably uh, one of the biggest things we do is we're we're able to go sell the new. We're able to we're able to sell that low houred late model forage harvester. Right. That that's one thing that's helped a lot. But when we get to that second and third, it, it does go stagnant. So we get we have to get creative with financing options, payment mm -hmm. credits. Uh, terms that sort of stuff with everybody just because you're you're trying to fit into a cycle uh, a, a payment for this next buyer because 
the next buyer isn't the uh, big the, the big custom operator. The right. big custom operator buys multiple units. Yep. He rolls multiples at times. He's able to get the multi-unit discounts, and he gets all he gets all the gravy. So, you you just gotta what we have to watch what we do on the backside as rolling them down too. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, we've been fortunate being able to get several to Mexico, uh, several to China. Uh, the China deal has actually been pretty okay for us. So. Yeah, that's that's been a. A, a neat little neat little niche here in the last couple of years for me too yeah it uh it, it it's kind of bailed us out a couple times so it feels good because you're your guys are absolutely right the 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 cycle of those machines they do not roll like tractors oh, combines right, planners right, yep. they, they don't they don't turn that i mean every turn that you have you got to set the forage harvester is over here in a separate bucket almost. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to have their own set of set of parameters kind of thing. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a whole different animal. Uh, the way you approach that, the way you handle the new cell, the used cell, and everything in between. Because, and you tell me if, if you see the same thing, because Aaron and I talked about this a million times. You've got the guy that's coming in that wants to buy that, that later model, lower houred unit. And then it seems like there's a, a pretty big gap till you get to the, the 2,000 or 3,000 hour machine because, like you said, you know you got the, the new guy buying the stuff that gets the gravy, and then you've got the, the subsequent guys down the line. The number of people that that one can have the acres to afford their own chopper is is a is a very niched thing anyway. But when you really start getting into the guy that only has like two or three hundred acres, he's going to chop having a $500,000 used <laughs> chopper doesn't make sense, but having a $150,000 one does. So, right. I mean, there's a big gap in there in those, those customer base. So what are you doing there? How do you, how do you approach that? Well, trying to just stay out in front of everybody and market the machines and let every, you know, you, we have all these people that they want this used forage harvester, right? right. This yep. low, lower dollar, higher hour machine. But then at the same time, they upgrade from uh, a 5830 and they go into a, a bigger uh, forage harvester. Well, then they have to gear up. What what Buying the forage harvester isn't necessarily the problem. Right. It's support buying equipment. all the, all, all the yeah. support equipment to yep. go along with it. That's exactly that, right. If, yep. You know, you, you, you buy, then you got to go buy the trucks. Well, then, oh, shucks, here comes the, here comes the stuff into the silo. I ain't got a bit my my front my eighty three hundred ain't kept keeping up with this right <laughs> right yeah it was a blade you know? yep right yep. So, shit we can't it, pack we can't pack with an eighty three hundred anymore now we need three four wheel drives yep yes exactly yep exactly so same thing on on the combine side so we've we've had several of those conversations when you're looking at class nine and class ten combines that are and how that all plays in there and the guy jumping from a, a class seven or a class eight up to that you know nine or ten um series machine and the conversations that you have i mean i think it's not that the buyer isn't educated and doesn't understand what it is it's the i, I think yeah yeah I mean, i'm hearing you that you're that you're increasing throughput and those kind of things but you're also thinking about 
your logistics that come into that, especially when you're looking at some of these machines that are filling up a, a fifteen hundred bushel grain cart in, you know, twenty minutes. You know, it's just you know, oh, way you, way faster than that. But, but you see my, my point. <laughs> yeah, you're, exactly. You're at twenty minutes, and you're used to, and you're used to thirty five minutes or forty minutes. Right. You right. have three dumps, yeah. and that thing's full. Yeah. So now you're sitting back there going like, holy crap, man. I mean, the logistics that play into that and those kind of things. When you have that customer that's looking at making that jump up, what what kind of educational process are you putting them through uh, as they as they look at that support equipment side of it? So you know, like you say, say the combine deal, right? Mm -hmm. You this guy one is having these customers are having a help struggle, right? right? Oh, yeah. So then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to get rid of two machines, go down to one, and this is how I'm going to go do it. Right. Okay, but then you also still have. We went from two older machines went to a machine that is that is doing as much or more than those two machines did. Those older machines, and they're still having those issues with yep. logistics. Nothing's Especially changed. It, it, <laughs> right. Winter wheat, winter yeah. wheat country, winter wheat country. That's probably not a big deal. But when you get into this big corn, oh you know, yeah. That 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 big corn just comes in so fast, and you will, you you paid for all this extra horsepower, all this you know four more rows, went from a twelve row to a sixteen row head, and we got one grain cart, right? right. And we expect to go keep it away from the combine, right? You yeah, you end up with the same help. You just turned combine drivers into grain cart and truck drivers. That's yep. that's essentially yep. all that happens. Yep, and I think. To me, I look at this, and I think this is, you know, I think baggers have always had a presence from time to time in different eras, but I think this is the, this could be one of those those years where, or kind of one of those beginning trend lines where guys are going to sit back and take a look at, like, you know what makes a lot of sense for us to do? Just bag it at the end of the field. Yeah. And then we'll just, we'll move the next field, we'll bag it over there, we'll keep going. And then, you know, it's, when harvest is done, We'll start loading trucks, and we'll we'll take it to either the elevator or our take, take it home and haul yeah. it out in March. Yeah, for where, March whatever, whatever it looks like, or you know, the guys are just going to market it from there, and then hey, go to field thirty-seven and pick up that. Yeah, which that know. that does happen a lot. Yeah. I just think there's yeah, going to be. Yeah, because we need something to do in yeah. the winter time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. right, yeah. Logistics are getting to be a bigger and bigger deal, especially as. You start looking at some of these operations where they are from from you know the the elevator. The elevator. You know, you know right. I mean some of these guys are they used to be ten miles from the elevator, but now they're still ten miles from the elevator. They just went twenty miles the other direction. Right. You know I mean now they're now they're thirty or forty or fifty miles away from an elevator and, and that's getting to be a bigger deal too when you start looking at on farm storage and those kind of things and what's that look like and how those things playing together. There's a, a lot of logistics that go into play. Well, you know, you guys have this in your area, too. The on-farm storage with some of these larger producers is greater than what the elevator has. Oh, no, like absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You know? Mm -hmm. Faster and, dumping, uh, bigger pit, yep. better storage. Yep. 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 It, just, it, it just trickles down. Yep. Yeah. So from the logistics side of it, what are you seeing right now? Because Aaron and I talk about this every once in a while. We start talking about support equipment. You start looking at augers. You start looking at grain carts. You start looking at those kind of things. 
what what kind of demand are you seeing right now? Uh, uh, demand signals anyway? Are you seeing right now for that? Um, maybe a guy going from a from a ten inch auger to a thirteen inch auger, going from a seven hundred fifty bushel cart to a you know a twelve hundred fifty bushel cart, or you know, maybe even some guys jumping up to a two thousand bushel cart from a from a thousand or fifteen hundred bushel cart. What, what are you seeing right there from that? Yeah, so everything is absolutely it's continuing continuing to get bigger, right? Everybody right. wants to be able to haul more to the elevator, more to their on farm storage, right? And then and then okay, you, you brought up augers because it, it's funny you brought up augers. So you, you used to be able to have the old ten eighty six sitting there at the sitting at the where I had all your bins running your auger, everything was okay. And you know, eighty to hundred horsepower tractor. Yep. I had one. I had one customer call me. He says, "I'm getting this auger, and I need a two hundred fifty horsepower tractor to right. run the auger." Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, it, yeah. it doesn't work. It's like, yeah. Okay, so now you've geared up. Now you're to a big MFWD tractor. Yeah. So yeah. To run an auger tractor that we're going to be supposed to be drilling our wheat with as we're supposed to be augering well that it, it just keeps trickling down yep and and there's some of them augers you get into some of them 16 inch augers 100 plus feet they hold a semi load like the first kernel hasn't fallen out and the last kernel's in the auger yes yeah. yeah so i mean yeah that takes a hell of a lot of power to run that yeah. so someday like 8640s with pto are going to be just yeah Hotter than diamonds because, oh, that's our auger tractor. Yeah, we can bend yeah. it. We can yeah. bend it right in that spot, and it, it works great. <laughs> yep, that is absolutely right. Yep. So, your wheat country, you know, growing up down in Kansas like that, you know, used to seeing the air seeders driving. Around. What, where are you seeing that that market go? I mean, is it are you continually seeing that that forty foot? air seeder being displaced by a by a 45 or a 50 foot or are you still kind of in that 35 to 40 foot range with your air seeders right now uh you know we're still doing pretty much if we do a ccs it's 40 foot because that's the biggest they make and right. uh when we get farther in our eastern part of our territory where we get a little bit more rivers creeks bottom mm -hmm. ground they're wanting to be able to back into the corner a lot easier versus the farther west we come. Right. And, but the farther west we come, I have not sold a 40 foot <clears throat> pulling a cart in probably two, three years. Everything's been 60s. Okay. Huh. That's interesting because in yeah. our world, yes. you know, we're yeah. even more wide open. It, we're still 42. 42 foot, yeah. 42. A couple, yeah. you know, a 50 here and there, maybe a 60, but everything is still 42. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to that, you know, uh, you're talking about labor issues and those kind of things. It's not so much I think guys want to go get bigger and get bigger equipment and do all that kind of stuff. I really don't think they want to do that as much as they have to do that because, you know, if you had probably the guy buying a 60 probably had, you know, he probably had two forty-two foots or something like that. You know, and mm -hmm. and now he's you know lost that driver or whatever it is. You know, he just can't find the help anymore. So now they're, like you said, they're going back to that sixty foot. But to, again, back to the logistics side of it, you still got to feed that pig. You know what I mean? Right. And mm -hmm. then you know, the fertilizer and seed and everything else that 
keep that thing rolling. It's just like on the combine side of it, keeping the grain off the combine so it can keep rolling. That that's a bigger and bigger issue. So when you what what are you hearing down there right? Now? I mean, as you're talking to your to your farmers, I mean, I'm sure you're not in some island someplace where there's just a plethora of of uh, help just laying around looking for something to do. I'm sure there's that kind of that thing there. Are you seeing a like lot like Home Depot? Kind of like Home Depot, yeah. <laughs> exactly, just like Home Depot. If you have, yeah. Are you yeah. seeing a lot more like H2A visa type? You know, South Africans, Mexicans, those kind of yeah. things coming in the area that are that are filling those roles. So yeah, we're there. Oh, yeah, it used to it used to be our custom forage operators sure. had the H2A workers, right? Yep. That was yep. just what what they what they got, and now these farms are starting to get H2A workers at the farm. Right. They just they they cycle them in for the summer, cycle some in for the winter for the cattle mm-hmm. cattle operation and. You know, there's just just like everything, guys. There's good ones and there's bad ones. Yeah. And uh, sometimes they're able to find some good ones. Yeah. That's what we're seeing out here too. I mean, there's there's as many um, farms out here that have an H2A basis as far as their workers go as as there aren't. And it's just just getting you. And it's just more and more and more of that. And like you like you said, you know, it's expensive to do and those kind of things. But you've got to have readily available. Uh, labor to right. go to come do that, and this is kind of the avenue you have to go down now. And so I think that's that's kind of the new. It's your best bet. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, so, unless you got a lot of kids, and that's that's yeah, that's really not a thing anymore. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. So last question here, Lee. As you take a look at from a diversity standpoint in that area, I mean, there's a lot of diversity around there, around that that, mm-hmm. that central Kansas area. You, know, you got a lot of cattle production. You got real crop production. You got wheat production. You got a lot of alfalfa, you know, irrigated alfalfa production in that area, especially as you head just a little bit west of there. As you're looking from that diversity standpoint, this is one of those few years where everything's kind of hidden. You know what I mean? You've got, you know, your real crop guys are going to make money. Your wheat guys are definitely going to make money. You look at all those things that are in there. Inputs are high. All those things that are there. Um, you know, feed costs are high, but it looks, you know, cattle prices kind of holding in there. I guess from a diversity standpoint, Lee, as you look around, I mean, what's your thoughts there, and, and do you see anything moving into the area that's out of the ordinary than what you've seen in the past? No, the hemp thing kind of came and gone, so right. uh, yeah. I don't think we really have to worry about the hemp thing anymore. But no, I mean, we're going to continue to be a diversified area. That there, there are still crop rotations. There sure. are still farms that have that crop rotation. That's the plan. Now the practices, the practices are starting to change. Oh, uh, we, no. I, I feel the, I feel tillage through our area is starting to come back a little heavier than what it was once was. Um, that's probably the biggest change I'm seeing is the from the no-till to more tillage guys. Uh, the no-tillers have been no-tilling for 20. 20 years they're going out and having to fix their problems right out of the field and that's probably the biggest change i'm seeing right now is it's uh we're we're, we're starting to see a little bit more tillage versus uh no-till yeah and it, and you're not alone in that that's yeah. pretty much a national thing yeah you know yeah. there's it's weed management if anything there's a lot of stuff that the potions don't kill so you right. got to do something oh yeah are you seeing a lot more of that real deep 
you know, breaking up the hard pan style, roll it, roll the dirt type of tillage, Absolutely. that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, what we've seen out here too. Yeah, yeah, we've we've that's that's kind of been our cup of tea is that six eight inches deep and mm -hmm. uh, roll it over. Yep, yep. And you know, I've noticed that trend here of late too. Like, I kind of started noticing about probably five or seven years ago that a lot of these no-till guys were stepping in and kind of like in every five-year rotation they did go in and 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 you know do that exact same thing you're talking about and then go back to no-till practice over for the next four or five years or whatever until or until they had some kind of an issue pop up they needed to go take care of but um that's you know we did a podcast about that not too long ago about um tillage trends and what we see happening there and because it seems right. like every five or six years there's a new a new tillage trend out there that that people whether it's you know you know, when vertical tillage came in, that was a big deal. And oh, yeah. Had, now you know, it's high-speed disc. High-speed disc or whatever, you know. Oh, you yeah. Go from a conventional, you know, disc tillage practice away from the moldboard tillage practice. I mean, those kind of those gradual steps of what we saw happen there. And it seems like every five years there's some new. Oh, yeah. New silver bullet. Invention the silver there. bullet. Yeah. This will fix it all. Yes, Absolutely. that is a fact. Yeah. That is a fact. All right, Lee. Well, I think we covered this one here is any any last thoughts you want to throw out there before we uh shut the podcast down no uh guys uh long time listener thank you very much for having me on today well no i appreciate you being on there and and uh you know lee you've been you came to the moving iron summit last year and uh, it was really good to meet you in person um talk about that a little bit and some of the takeaways you took from that yeah so the moving iron summer it was fantastic just a for networking b understanding some some of the trends that are out there uh our our cycles that are you know even our weather cycles yeah with your uh, gentleman that yeah. your gentleman that speaks about that your marketing group that you have come in also uh fantastic operation look forward to coming back to it this year yeah that's going to be it's going to be a good show looking forward to look forward to seeing you again and Having a few cocktails with you when, when things wind Absolutely. down for the evening. So. Right on. <laughs> right on. Well, Lee, appreciate you being on the podcast. If folks want to reach out to you, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, the easiest way to reach me is uh, my email is lee at agricenter.us or call the dealership at 620-665-8894. Right on. Aaron, folks want to reach out to you. What's the best way to do that? Uh, smoke signal. Smoke signal. No, I'm kidding. Uh, pretty active all over the internet on LinkedIn, Facebook, by my name, on Twitter, by my name with no space, at Aaron Fintel. Pretty active on there. Um, email Aaron.Fintel at movingironllc.com. Um, call me, text me, 308-760-1193. Right on. And I'm Casey Seymour. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Uh, hit me up at LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and go over to the uh, YouTube channel, Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, and you can see the video version of this podcast. Uh, if you want more information about what's going on at Moving Iron, check it out, movingironllc.com. All the blog posts, all the, the whole library of the Moving Iron Podcast is there, and all the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Check that out. Uh, if you need more information about that, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I will make sure to get back to you. Uh, friend Alex Truchenko, Aaron and I's friend, uh, works for the dealership here, is back in Ukraine. 
uh, delivering humanitarian aid. If you're interested in helping Alex do that stuff, here's a, check out the show notes. There's a link there for his GoFundMe page, and you can uh, you can send him money that way, or you can just go to GoFundMe.com and search Help Alex Transport Humanitarian Aid from Poland to Ukraine. So check that out. So Don't cramp up when you're typing don't, that. Don't do that. It's a long one. Don't do that. So if you're interested in helping that out, helping Alex out, that'd be great. Um, he's over there. He's like 10 miles away from, from where all the all the action's at. So he's right in the middle of uh, all the action there. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Finnell and Lee File. Let's go smart, folks. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving higher